I think the be- in the beginnings of doing any of this work, I was like really scared also to be, again, back in a space where I had wholeheartedly committed, uh, similarly to, I guess, my parents, like committed to this idea of whiteness or investing in whatever that means, you know, yeah. um, and, and trying to just like be the best. But I was continually trying to fit into a mold of someone that I would never be, you right. know, and I think that's maturation and that's growing up and that's learning. Um, but I just don't want anybody to have to do that because it was exhausting and terrible. Or, and, and maybe they have to do it in other ways, but they have support and can be seen right. and loved uh, yeah. by teachers and by, you know, peers. And they're not afraid to say what is happening or, or when they feel like something is uncomfortable, to be able to say that out loud. Hey, it's the Brazil. Talk to me. New York, I know you have Hi humans, what's going on? Welcome back to, uh, that was a weird intro. Welcome back to another episode of La Mezcla. My name is Adrian Burke, the creator and host of this show. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Um, if you're new, thanks uh, thanks for checking the show out and I'm really excited to have you. Make sure if you like the show to subscribe to it and uh, like it on the, the social media things, share it with other people. Uh, promo is not my my strong suit, friends, but uh, I'm trying I'm trying to do better at that. <laughs> uh, in any case, I'm so excited to have you here, whether you're new or an OG fan, and uh, I'm really excited to introduce you to this week's guest. And speaking of this week's guest, I'm so so excited to bring you this week my conversation with Raquel Palmas, the wonderful wonderful Raquel Palmas. Uh, I was so excited to have her on the show, and as you will hear, she's just the the best. She's a goddamn delight. Uh, and I was so excited to have her on, on La Mezcla. We had a really great conversation about a bunch of topics, uh, including growing up uh, in Long Island, New York, which is uh, a trip, as you will hear, about Raquel's work as an actor and improviser, as well as a devised theater maker, uh, and just about her journey into uh, developing into the artist she is today. Um, so without further ado, please enjoy this week's conversation with the wonderful Raquel Palmas. Where I go to unwind from the grind And of all that I know, I promise you this Material shit don't make you rich Thank you so much Okay, we're recording, beautiful Alright, hi, hello Hi, Raquel, what's up? Thank you for being here Oh my god, let's pretend we didn't just talk for 10 minutes We did not (laughs) This is the first time I'm seeing you in years no memory, no memory of that whatsoever. Why? Uh, so let's uh, let's just start it off very easy, very standard. So just introduce yourself to the humans who listen to the show. Incredible. Give us like where you're from, where your parents are from, like basic deal, and then we'll get into it. Sure, sure, sure. Um, my name is Raquel Palmas. I am an actor, comedian, producer, musical entertainer. I'm yes. from Long Island, um, born and raised fortunately and unfortunately and uh, my parents as somebody who's from Westchester New York (laughs) I really feel that I really feel that fortunately and unfortunately it's a blend it's always it's a gift and a curse but here we are uh Mm -hmm. and my yeah my parents are African-American well my dad is black Canadian uh but we'll get into the deliciousness and confusion of all of that um yes yes. I'm just a light-skinned black girl living in a white world Amazing, amazing. Well, uh, this show is all about confusion, so let's just get into the confusion already. What, what's yeah. been the big confusion? 
Okay, so like if we're really gonna do it, surprise, fun surprise, my last name is not my last name. Uh, um, so the last name I have, which is Palmas, which could be like derived in many functions like Palmas, like palm tree, mm-hmm. or um, like Las Palmas, um, is either Spanish, French, or Italian. So we get some fun ambiguity there. Shouts out to that. Yeah, I mean, I could see, I could see so many different like New York immigrant communities assuming that you are, <laughs> you are a part of them. Oh yeah, I mean, which which I love and which is also why I love New York because anytime I'm anywhere, people are like, oh, my people. Like they look at me and they're like, you're my people. And I'm like, no, mm. but I'm down to <laughs> pretend I'm your people. Like I'm, da- yes. like, I'm down yes, to yes. be your people, sure, sure, sure. Yes. Um, but um, yeah, so my, da- my dad's grandmother took the last name of her second husband, Paul Palmas, and he owned a okay. glazing shop in Rhode Island. What is and glazing? Like a glass glazing shop, like he did windows and like um oh, what is it um like stained glass and stuff? Oh shit! Okay, I've yeah. never known what that was called glazing. Listen, all right. but this all you know, I think everyone has like historical folklore, right? So like right. that, this feels like a thread of folkloricness uh, because I obviously never met him and I never saw any pictures of him. Um, but the original first man who impregnated my dad's grandmother <laughs> we're okay. doing the connectedness of it <laughs> he could open a beer bottle with his teeth and that was the only thing anyone needed to know about him wow that does sound incredibly folkloric now that that's you what i'm it. that's what i'm saying so like we're already <laughs> starting with some confusion so my dad grew up in bermuda but was born in canada okay yeah and so technically i am a canadian citizen or not i mean i have to file for the paperwork but i am technically canadian Got it. Do you have a passport and everything? Uh, I am working on it as we speak because America uh, yes, is yes. a garbage fire. And also, Raquel, that's mad useful career-wise. Yeah. Oh, mad 100%. useful. Also, Do you know how much like, shit shoots in Toronto? Like, that's you know what? I am hearing you out loud for the first time, and I keep saying this. I'm like, yeah, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. And everyone's like, no, you got to do it. And I'm like, no, I'm oh, telling actually. you. Okay. Yeah, that is. Noted. Yes. Hear it. Hear it now. Hear it first. I am <laughs> going to be a Canadian citizen very soon. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, but yeah, so that's like that's my dad's side. If you wanted to like push that, put that over there for a hot second, and then my mom's side. Um, her her father's from South Car. No, North Carolina. Okay. Um, and there's again some like unclear folklore about his mother's father or mother being white so i know that there's some like Mm -hmm. interracialness happening there i just know that she wasn't allowed to go through the front door my so like my great grandmother uh was not allowed to go through the front door of her i guess mother or father's home but i'm not sure which one of them was white so i I, (laughs) there's definitely some slavery loving happening but i don't know (laughs) i don't know (laughs) In which ways, uh, definitely some inequality and injustice and racialized problematic shit happening, but I don't know. Sure. Um, but was also this, that's like, God. No, I was just gonna say, was this stuff that you had been, like these, this folklore, was this something that you'd always been told since you were a kid or something that you sort of discovered more recently? So I think because of all of the things that are happening and because I'm one to pry, I'm like, okay, cool. But like, what is the actual history on this? And mm-hmm. how, who are the actual people and players? And before all of the COVIDness, I was, the plan was to do like an anthropological dig and like really figure it all out and like connect with cousins and things. Um, but there's been since then a little bit of a halt. Um, but 
Yeah, it's it's interesting because I think I, I went to college and was like, fuck white people. I grew up in the suburbs of Long Island. <laughs> just the yes, con- context- which we like, should con- talk let's about. Let's contextualize, let's contextualize yeah. it. So like I grew up and I was like, oh my God, like went to college and was like, oh, I love my blackness and I'm so proud to be a black woman. Oh my God, I'm a woman, like all of these things. I'm like, okay, shouts out feminism and intersectionality and my brain is exploding. And then my grandpa was like, yes, and your great, great grandfather was a white man. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> wow, so it, so you got that information at the height of this. Like, like, like just like, yeah, way later, way later. Yeah. I always was just like, whatever, we're just like, we're all just beige. I was like, <laughs> I just, we were just a bunch of beige people that procreated. So I've never, but I, when I, I, you know, if I think about it hard enough, obviously it's all reaching back to somewhere. And then on my mom's mother's side, so my grandmother, um, her dad was from Dutch Guyana or Suriname. And that has its own like folkloric kind of nature to it too, because he apparently was a stowaway on a boat. Um, wow. Or the the idea or the assumption is that she thinks he was maybe a prince because okay, so what? he came. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. That I know. was a huge left turn. That was a huge I know, left I know, turn. I know, I know. Wait, here we go, here we go. Or a, of some sort of noble class because when he came to America and like had these nine children, my grandma is one of nine or was one of nine. Mm-hmm. Um, he could speak like five languages and was like very great at was very good at math and like was my grandma's com- I lost you right at um I lost you good. right at good. um he was my grandmother's complexion I think was right where I lost okay yeah my grandmother's complexion she's like a deep brown black but like with like red undertones um and he at the time it just wouldn't make sense that this man would know five languages and like be good at mathematics and like have right. all of this unless he came from an affluent background somewhere. Got it. Got it. So, so I we've guess. got. So you've got a whole like quasi Canadian, oh, yeah. but also Caribbean royalty. Thing. Yeah, it's like a bizarre blend, but uh, I love it. I That's truly beautiful. love it. I'm like, oh, it's kind of cool. There's like so many weird, interesting layers, and I'm learning something new all of the time. <laughs> That's so beautiful. And was, did, uh, I want to talk a little bit about growing up in Long Island, because I think yeah. that's a really specific experience that a lot of people who listen to this yes. don't get. Specific. So, yeah, yeah, so let's, let's yes, yeah, specific is the word. For people who, right yeah, sure, sure, sure. For people who don't know, I like to explain to people that uh, Long Island is where racism came to have a baby after World War II. Like, that is fully what I like to say about Long Island. Yeah, and that's yeah. not incorrect. Uh, just to give, like, a brief little history lesson. Let's do it. Some facts. Uh, after the GI Bill was passed in 1942, after World War II ended, um, soldiers were entitled to, like, homes. And the birth of suburbia happened in Levittown. So you have... Right, yeah. Isn't the, that yeah. where... That's where, like, Bill O'Reilly's from, right? Like... I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm, 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 sure, I'm pretty I'm, sure he's from Levittown. I'm pretty sure Wow, he is. yes. That all makes sense because to this day, and I think this was the statistic in maybe 2017, Levittown still has the highest concentration of KKK members because it's the like birthplace of suburbia. And when you think of white affluent families, they don't want no black people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't want anybody they like you know it's it, black people came back from the war and assumed oh yeah we're entitled to this too we fought for this country we love america we are part of the fabric of this nation right. and then only to get slapped in the face and redlined and then not given loans and put in neighborhoods 
that are disproportionately, uh, you know, not treated well and are heavy, like policed incredibly uh, heavily and just are not taken care of and kept up with or cared about in, in any sort of way. Uh, so it was a big flex, I think, for my parents to grow up in Queens and Brooklyn and then move out to Long Island. Uh, and I grew right. up in a predominantly black neighborhood originally. I grew up in Baldwin and then we moved when I was 10 to Rockville Center, which is a predominantly white neighborhood, 95% Irish Catholic. But I think it's more like 85 now. A lot more yeah. brown and black people, and we love it. That's <laughs> we are beautiful. here for it. Yeah, that's beautiful. But at the yeah. time, at the time of that move, I imagine it must have been a big culture shock. Oh, it was like I was I was just like mean to I don't maybe it wasn't just specifically white people, but I was mean <laughs> to any white girl who thought she like was the shit. I was mm. just like. Mm, no. Mm. <laughs> I just vividly, there was this girl named Nicole. We'll call her Nicole Flowers for the sake of safety. Um, <laughs> I love and, it. <laughs> naming names. <laughs> uh, and so I just, we were like doing indoor soccer practice because like if you're in the suburbs, you have to play like lacrosse or any white sport. Like so mm -hmm. soccer, it was for me. Um, and which ugh, if we unpack, like lacrosse is not even white. But anyways, um, we were playing soccer and I just remember people being like, oh, Nicole Flowers is popular. Like she's one of the popular girls. And I was just like, wait, what? And I walked up to her and I was like, Nicole, do you think you're popular? <laughs> she's like, what? And I was like, do you think you're popular? And she's like, huh? And I was like, oh, okay, good. Cause you're not like, you're just not. Old are you? I don't know. <laughs> I w How old are you in like seventh grade? Maybe like, like 12, 13 12? maybe? <laughs> That's amazing. That is amazing. Wow, Nicole Flowers. Oh, I just remember being like, whoa, um, because, because popularity is being well known. And if anybody was popular, it was me. You know what I mean? Of so I was so You just hurt. had to let her know. You just had yeah, to. Yeah, I, I just had to, had to quickly remind the bitch. I'm just kidding. That's weird. But I had to quickly remind her. That she's not it. That's not it. You're not it, honey. And um, okay. But then I think somewhere between that and like senior year of high school, that like fuck you attitude and um, kind of being like, just so you know, I'm going to humble everybody that's here. I don't know. It just like left. And I wanted to be a, a fun, loving white girl. Mm. I definitely, you know, I, and I know a lot of wow. people talk about like, culture shock and wanting to fit in and like being a part of a community and all of For that. Sure, but I definitely yeah. think that I'm like, oh, it took me some time to come back and reclaim a space of power and of saying, you're not pop good, cause you're not, <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> of being able to be like, what? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's so, it's so interesting. Cause I definitely think, I think class is a big thing too. Um, mm -hmm. It's a big intersection that it's Long Island is very much redlined. And for people who don't know what that means is there are certain areas that even realtors will suggest based on your um, ethnic makeup where you'd prefer mm -hmm. to live. And I recall like when my parents got the house we live in, the realtor was like, I'm so happy to be selling this to a black family. Wow. Like in a whispered hush tone. Yeah. She then proceeded to move because she knew. Wow. <laughs> she, wow. She <laughs> <laughs> wow. Let me whisper this to you so the other white people can't hear me. <laughs> like, what the fuck? 
Um, but yeah, and I, I do remember just people saying some like really crazy shit too. I think if you're uh, just like being in, I guess, even in middle school, people being like, oh, like, where do you live? Uh, Rockwell Center is pretty segregated and a lot of uh, predominantly people of color in the community live either in an apartment section or there's an area that is uh, affordable housing. And so mm -hmm. I think a lot of the assumption class-wise too is that if you are brown or black or other that you don't live in a house and you're, yeah. why would, how could your family afford that? I know? grew up in a really similar neighborhood, which like, obviously I'm not a person of color, but I was, no, one, no. Of the, I was one of the few people who, who grew up in an apartment. I've never lived in a house in my entire life. And that right. was such a weird, even when you're like, even when you're 10 or 11 or 12, that was just such a weird dividing line for people who would just like kind of look at me sideways because I didn't live in a giant house. Like suburbia is so stupid. It's stupid and also it's internalized like from the parents. Like that's clearly yeah. what it's coming from. And even uh, it's like this investment to me too in this ideal of capitalism, which, and the American dream, like that is, that is it. It's the birthplace yeah. of all of that, you know? It's yeah. like, this is what you strive for, a white picket fence, a dog, and to be uh, as affluent as your white neighbor. And, and that's with a really life. like, with a really like blind, almost religious, like fervor too. Yeah, like culty almost too. Yes. And it's, um, yeah, and it's very toxic and also just, it, it wasn't, there's no, not that it needed to be happiness, but I don't think there's, there's no like uh, soul fulfillment in it. Mm -hmm. I mean, other than I think I'm like very like thankful that my parents moved here and like for all the opportunities I've had and how I was raised and how mm -hmm. I grew up, but also Absolutely. just say like, well, y'all invested in whiteness in a, in a crazy way. You invested mm. in this idea of success that was for all intents and purposes on Long Island, white. And it doesn't need to be like being, you know, balling out and being elite and wonderful. Uh, <laughs> doesn't have to just be white, but I do think it comes with a notion of, not even forgetting of past, but kind of a notion of uh, disregarding anything that's outside of this bubble that you're like, we moved so we wouldn't have to deal with this. And I'm like, yeah. no, racism's right here in this neighborhood. So like, yeah. even lately with all like the protests and I've been doing Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. If we just rewind it back, I guess a little bit is like I, in moving back and being, this is my childhood bedroom. Welcome, hello, with a few like modern yes, updates. Yes. Uh, we are we we are only releasing the audio, <laughs> but they'll take your word for it. Oh, amazing! Yes, okay, yes. As you can see in my room. Um, okay, so yeah. So we're. I am currently sitting in my childhood bedroom, and I think in coming back, I was like, oh, I have to reactivate that. Uh, that girl that was a bitch to Nicole Flowers. Yeah. Uh, in order to fight for some social justice and inequalities that are still happening in this town and that I can't ignore anymore. Or, uh, you know, that, that feeling that you were talking about before of being aware and the awareness of classism and racism, like within the area you grew up in, you don't yeah. have the language or the words for it, or you don't feel empowered to talk about it in the way that is um activated and so i was like oh if i'm back here now 
I gotta go talk to, gotta go talk to my white people. I gotta, yeah. go, I gotta yeah. go talk to the white people who raised me, my teachers and all the people and say, hey, this is fucked up and we need to be honest about what's happening and, and how we're neglecting a community that lives within Rockville Center. Like yeah. there is, it's, it's all pretty fucked up and the police, uh, so again, I work with an, or- I, I'll shout out my own organization. We uh, are just a grassroots five lady organization called BIPOC Voices of Long Island. And we've been sharing stories of racism in high school that people experienced, but are also trying to work on, I think it's, I believe it's six demands. Oop, that's bad. But <laughs> six <laughs> demands. Um, but one of them particularly being, you know, addressing schools and cl- curriculum and yes, yes. Uh, hiring black teachers and what any and all of that looks like. And so we are, again, having these conversations and trying to be public about them and hosting protests and doing virtual town halls just to not even right the wrongs, but just to make sure that the things that we went through as kids, no other students have to go through. And growing up here, you feel seen and not erased or told like, oh, you must, your family must do this, or you have to look like this, or this is how you're supposed to behave because you're black or because you're Hispanic or because you're Asian. It's it's all bullshit. Is there, is there any, because I know there are people who live on Long Island who, who listen to this shit. Like, is there any way people can follow what you're doing or even support? Oh yes, of course. Uh, It's on the gram. You can follow us on the gram for sure. And then we have an email as well. And once you reach out, slide into our DMs on Instagram. Um, We've taken, in August, we just like took a two-week hiatus because it was a lot of work that we were doing, I think, for mm-hmm. June and July. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also were holding a kickback just like for POCs to just like chill and relax and hang out in the park and just be themselves and have a good time without really trying to think about anything more than just breathing. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, lately that is even something that has to be of consideration. Yeah, uh, it, has to, you- it has to be a Facebook fight. <laughs> like- yeah, it's 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 nuts. I think the be- in the beginnings of doing any of this work, I was like really scared also to be again back in a space where I had wholeheartedly committed uh, similarly to I guess my parents like committed to this idea of whiteness or investing in whatever that means, you know? Yeah. Um and and trying to just like be the best. But I was continually trying to fit into a mold of someone that I would never be. You know, and I think that's maturation and that's growing up and that's learning. Um, But I just don't want anybody to have to do that because it was exhausting and terrible. And and maybe they have to do it in other ways, but they have support and can be seen and loved uh, by teachers and by, you know, peers. And they're not afraid to say what is happening or or when they feel like something is uncomfortable to be able to say that out loud. Cause I, for most of the years I was in schools here, people would just say racist derogatory shit to me all the time, even in passing or jokingly, but I didn't know how to engage with it. And I thought, oh, that's just like, that's just how it goes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that's just how it goes is such, especially in suburbia. I mean, like we've covered like its origins and how and yeah. how it's basically just another name for whiteness, but it really like sub- the whole like whiteness being perceived as normal thing, I think is so encapsulated by suburbia because all marketing goes towards the like ideal mythologized suburban community, which is really just this like very racist white, like that's how it goes idea. Right, where you're not even ignore, like ignoring all individualism and ignoring yes. everything that makes people and cultures great, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and trying to fit into this 
oh, my, my family's vacationing in Montauk. Like, what are you doing this summer? Or like, do you want to come to my, to come to my cabana? I want to come to my beach house. Oh, we, could go, we should go hang out at the golf. Uh, we could go swim at the, at the, at the oh, links at the country club. Oh my, oh and I'm my like, God. Oh my God. But I vividly remember wanting to be that bitch. Like, come on. Also, like, I'm sure that TV, I wanted, you know what? I hated Nicole Flowers. And then eventually was like, I want to be Nicole Flowers. And that is wow. the problem. It's like, no, you, yes. should, you should just want to be yourself. Like, No, yeah, you were right you. the first yeah. time with Nicole Flowers. Yeah, I was totally right the first time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I was totally right, you know? You were, you were. Wait, so we're, we haven't even touched on performing at all. Like, were you, were you oh, already, yeah, yeah. were you, I mean, we weren't supposed to. I'm just like bringing it in. Were you already doing that in like middle and high school or did that come later? Yeah, okay, so... Again, like back to family stuff, my yeah. grandma, and now as we are in quarantine, I'm like spending more time really thinking about how, how I became the adult that I am today. Yes. Uh, and so- <laughs> Doing lots of reading and introspection and yeah, figuring introspection it all out. and self-love and growth and drinking literally gallons of water. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, so my grandma was in a touring group with her sisters called the Hamilton Sisters. Uh, cool. And they were a music group and they would do like, seven part harmony and they would tour around different army base camps and perform on different like late night shows or you know they were trying to make their way and break into Hollywood in some sort of way into the music industry in some sort of way and then on my dad's side so that's my mom's mom and then on my mm -hmm. dad's side of the family his father was a traveling jazz musician um, who would pass for white in clubs and would play the bass in a band wow. that would travel around uh, Canada and the United States. So with all of that, I'm like, oh, this is like in my blood. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, oh, this is very much a part of who I am. Um, but it's taken some time to finally come into the understanding of that and acceptance of that in a full real way. But yeah, and my grandma had me like performing in the yard or like doing like fun almost improv games I feel like with her uh in the yard like I mean doing, so like, much TV. of the shit we do when we were kids is like what improv is trying to be you know yeah just like fun play and imagination yeah uh and so yeah and so I think from there I think my family was always like oh she's gonna be a performer like she's gonna be a performer that I think that was a label that was very much thrust onto me as well because they were like she's she's dramatic <laughs> I was like, oh okay. god yeah <laughs> um, but I was also always writing music and I have been teaching now um I perform with like North Coast and Baby Wants Candy and a lot of musical improv groups mm -hmm. and I, ooh, hello, a little Facebook messenger. Um, and Just so everybody knows that she's popping. Everybody knows, I'm popping, baby. Um, <laughs> so Fuck I, off, Nicole Flowers. <laughs> Nicole Flowers is still sending me fucking friend requests. Fuck Are you, you serious? Nicole. Is that real? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, kidding. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just heightening the joke. I'm just <laughs> um, yeah, I think... <laughs> Nicole Flowers wants to be in my band. Um, oh my no, I'm God. I, yeah, I don't know. I just was always writing music too. It's something that yeah, I also, yeah. now that I like had a moment to think about it, I used to carry a recorder around my elementary school playground and record songs with my friends. Wow. That's so awesome. I was like, and I have like journals and shit of just lyrics and songs that I was writing mainly about boys, but um, and like and like heartbreak, like deep heartbreaking shit. Cause like I loved Evanescence and Avril Lavigne. Like that was like, <gasps> Like talk about theater, because like that's fucking dramatic. Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> Evanescence is a really oh, yeah. <laughs> is, a, like, is a good pull. 
uh, yeah, okay, like up at, at 7 a.m. before school watching Bring Me to Life, the music video, over and over again on a, what a.m. wake up. What was that? Like, that shit changed me. <laughs> and I was, you know what, just to also say that blackness is not a monolith, and I was fucking living in a black-ass neighborhood watching that shit, like, fucking rocking out, because that is true. You can feel that on any level of being, <laughs> you know? Oh, my God. All this time, I can't believe I couldn't see. Like, oh, my, like, what? Like, you know. we've, we've, all, we've all vibed out to an Evanescence song, and if you are unwilling to admit that, then you're just dishonest, and I hate you. And if you haven't, literally go take a look uh, and bring yourself into, like, a 13-year-old or, like, 12-year-old <laughs> mindset of emotion and really go on that journey because you owe it to yourself to do yes. that. Um, yes. But so with all of that in, in the baggage, yeah, I was always singing, always performing. I did a lot. Of, I did all the plays in middle school and high school um, and then went to school for theater at Brooklyn College. Amazing. Yeah, which was, uh, it was fun and also exciting because again, that was where I always jokingly say, some people get it, some people don't. I was like, I, I found out I was black and I was a woman. What a crazy <laughs> thing. Like, no way. Oh my Who God, I, I went... I went 25 miles that way and I discovered all this shit. I was like, who knew that? No way. Uh, and yeah, I took, a, I took one of the first classes I took was, I think in the, it was an anthropology or a, or a sociology class, honestly. Shouts out to you if you know the difference most of the time. But uh, I think I it was a sociology class. I couldn't tell um, <laughs> And they were just talking about the possessive investment in whiteness and how American culture invests in whiteness in this very... Uh, problematic and unhealthy way and I was like oh intriguing and all of the layers started <laughs> peeling off and I, I did this show which uh, personally a lot of the the places I find joy are in you know imagination improv and then also devised theater uh, mm -hmm. so I did a devised theater piece called Black Girl Ugly which just explored black girlhood and again was like another revelation of just goodness and self-love and also just the beauty that is you know, the diversity of blackness and being black and how powerful and beautiful it is. And that um, was in your first year of college? Yeah, that was in my that was second semester, first year of college. And we toured around with that piece a little bit around Brooklyn um, and we wrote it and performed in it. And I was like, oh, I want to do more of this. Uh, yeah. And then so, but also a lot of it was like improv work because we based scenarios and then we would improvise them and then we would write them and then we would improvise those again and we would write over them. So a lot of it was, again, devised theater. And for those of you who don't know, devised theater is just like yes. taking research and information and collecting and cultivating things and then just kind of experimenting and playing and seeing what comes out of it and keeping what you like and throwing away what you don't. And that is so fun and so freeing to me and I actually eventually ended up uh, producing and then like working for the public theater and working on a lot of devised theater, research-based theater, also like newer projects. It's not the frilly Broadway type of theater. It, it's like very- AKA not the bullshit. <laughs> yeah. AKA a... not the bullshit. I think, I think it deserves to be and should be, you know, in main stage houses, but it's not necessarily what, uh, you know, old white people and, uh, uh, you know, mainstream tourists are willing to pay for it. But fuck it, why not? I think that we need to be more reflective in our art and our culture and it's not all just spectacle. But yeah, so I ended Absolutely. up <laughs> from college, then working and uh, producing and company managing and doing like all of these intricate jobs in the theater that I had no idea existed. 
uh, and just kind of working on like under uh, on a festival called Under the Radar as well, which is. Uh, oh, I've heard of that festival. Yeah. yeah, it's a New York City festival. I've I've worked on it for the past three years. I can't wait to see what actually happens with it this year, as theater is in such an interesting place. But if ever yeah. there were a festival that encapsulates uh, being able to push the envelope and the imaginative elements that can be within theater uh, mm-hmm. and experimental, it's that festival. Um, and so, yeah, so I really was kind of fortunate and blessed too to have this bizarre journey of traveling and theater and producing and all of this experimental kind of weird yeah. <laughs> weirdness that uh, is is what I hope to now afford to other people in reflection and also just in celebration of self. Um, I think that's so admirable yeah. to to like to draw your artistic like wisdom from many sources to like do many things and compile them on all all together into whatever you want your voice to be putting out into the world. I think too many people spend like, I mean, I'm not even talking about improv people, but it definitely applies to them. Too many people are like, I'm going to take classes at one place and devote my entire identity to one thing. And like, I think the work gets so much more interesting and authentic when you draw your, your inspiration from many different places. Yeah. I, don't know that it happened intentionally, but I'm kind of just someone who I'm learning even now in in the choir uh, that I just want to be busy. I know I hate it, but I love it. Like say it with me, the choir. Um, <laughs> I, exactly. Um, I want to be doing something always. You know, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. want to be pushing and trying to strive to be the in a in a gross but realistic way the best version of myself uh in arts and then also in supporting and loving people and i'm like how can theater do that how can we reflect in fun ways what is the way is it making yeah. people laugh is it you know singing songs uh how are we doing it so again i then somehow ended up well to be honest my dad while i was in my i think my second year of college was like you should take improv classes and mm. that is how i got into comedy entirely so like while wow. all of the theater life is happening at school uh, my dad was like you should take improv classes because I think you'd be good at it and I think you'd enjoy it so then I started taking improv classes had a break with it took a hip-hop improv class um, which has some I have complex feelings about um, mm-hmm. and then yeah and then proceeded to take it took some time off came back to it and I saw that a friend of mine was in England performing and I was like I want to do that I don't know how, but I'm a, I'm a do that. Oh my God. And touring, then... touring any place and touring in any other country is like the best, absolute best experience. That's all truly, you know, it's so funny when I graduated from college, I was just like, I just want to do theater and travel the world with theater and like go different places and make there art it is. and shit. There and uh, the woman I was in residency with at the time, like heard that. And I think she genuinely took that to heart. And then I got to travel around with her and take like, work with her on her theater pieces. Her name is Kaneza Shaw. She's a brilliant artist, downtown theater artist. Um, yeah, her and her partner were just like these larger than life, beautiful black people who I get, we got to work on this show called um, Cartography that opened, I believe, last January yeah 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 January 16th um in New York but had its world premiere at the Kennedy Center and honestly working with yeah it's a piece about immigration and uh children refugees that they worked with again so this is devised theater children refugees that they worked with let's say even now five years ago maybe they made theater with 50 
uh, children that they were with in Germany, that like there was no common language among them. They just right. made theater and art with them and then were like, how do we take this and then turn this into a piece of theater? And I was with the piece for almost two years, uh, just like helping manage it and like helping uh, organize the files mm -hmm. and just being in the room and just watching them create. And it was so incredible and like such a yeah. lovely experience. Um, yeah, and then I got to travel with that piece and, and help build that, but then also was yearning for something creativity, like some creativity on my end, saw my friend in England, and that's how I then came back to comedy and was like, wow. okay, great, I'm going to take a class. Y yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm going, going, take a from, class. going from devised theater with refugee children to improv <laughs> comedy is maybe the most whiplash change I could possibly imagine. But again, I think that's so cool, like to be able to have both experiences and, and combine them into whatever you're working on. When I, when I think about it in a real like through line kind of way, I'm like, it's just about storytelling and joy and revelation almost. And also just entertainment and arts. Cause like everyone needs it. And it's so fulfilling for our souls. Like yeah. it is one of the happiest, most exciting things you can do with your life. Yeah. I mean, um, just just look at the world in you know times like a massive pandemic, and everybody's obviously turning to artists for yeah. for, for um, their joy and their safety and security and whatnot. Yeah, and while it might not be live, um, R.I.P. Theater for the moment. Oh my god, uh, we. <laughs> Shout so out to sad. Zoom plays and Zoom. We theater. should talk about um, that. I was actually going to ask you about that, given that no, given that yeah. you're that among many other things, you're a devised theater artist. The um, like, how do you feel? This is going to last for a long time. Like, do you feel like it's even possible to devise pieces remotely? Like, have you had any experience with yeah. it, or what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, yeah. Mm. I would say that every other day I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, I miss the world. Like <laughs> I just wake up and I'm like, oh, to sit in a theater could be cool. Like yes, just to sit yes, in yes. the theater could be great. Um, yeah, I, I think it's very possible. I think it's very probable uh, that interactive media and art pieces and theater can live again in, in some sort of way or in some um, way that is tangible. If it looks like the same thing that we had before, I don't want it even, you know? Mm. I, I think there was a time that I'm like, oh, I, I still yearn for the thing that is lost, but I don't think it can go back to what it was. Also because we have this movement happening in theater right now, too, with calling out all of the whiteness that we have celebrated within that industry, yes, you know? Yes. Um, and really acknowledging all around where we are anti-Black and where we are, um, you know, anti-celebration of, of other cultures and where we're not actually doing what we preach in that we're not inclusive and it's it's diverse for the wrong reasons. Yeah, down to, <laughs> um, down to so, whatever and people can't hide behind the like, oh, we're just this low budget project of like nobody yeah, cares we don't about have us. The the conversation's happening at every budgetary level, every size every project. Morning. Like, this is about your web series, everybody. Your web series that you're making right now, that I know you're making, this is about yeah, you. Yeah, everywhere. You, it's a you. It's a you problem. It's an us problem. It's an everyone problem. Sips tea yes. or iced coffee. I'm talking to you, Nicole Flowers. Um, but yeah. <laughs> that was, that was but ASMR for everybody. It is affecting everyone, but I... Yeah, a little... A little <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I'm excited to see 
I'm just, I the, the, the words are fun. I'm excited to see where, <laughs> where <laughs> I'm excited to see where it goes and like what, what actually happens. Uh, I don't know. Did you see the Cat Williams Supreme video? No. Okay. I won't, I won't spoil anything about it, but it's just a video of Cat Williams doing stand up uh, okay. for Supreme. And that's all I'll say about it. And Okay. I'm not going to frame it any other way without spoiling or talking about what actually is being said or what actually happens, but I think it was brilliant. Um, and that might be toward the future of, of where we are going with live performances or mm-hmm. people being on stage and or being staged and in, in film. Um, I'm not a fan of film. I now have to work to love film. I mean, Mm. and not to say that I wouldn't want to work in the industry or like, I just have never consumed film in the way that a lot of other people have. So now I am relearning and watching things and like being fascinated by film and being taken in new directions that I did not know or think that I'd ever be interested in. Um, I watched Do the Right Thing like three times and have like (laughs) truly just been like, whoa, okay, yes, this is exactly, because I had seen it before when I was younger, but didn't really. Piece well, Spike, Spike Lee is such a perfect example of like of marrying cinematic and theatrical like that, right. especially so, do the right thing. Ugh, and so watching this and then especially to now like rewatching it in the climate we've always been in, but the heightened climate that is uh, very polarized and uh, out loud right now in this country, mm. it was just like, oh, wow. Yeah, this is it's possible to reimagine theater in this way, but obviously it will never be the same thing. Like it just... Yes won't uh, but i will wait maybe we have smaller audiences or maybe it's only two people shows at a time but again that is completely different there's something about being able to breathe with people in a room um yeah. that is what we love about theater like you know i used to say like um if i was working my office job too long or like behind a desk like producing or company managing even though i was working in the field of theater i would mm. literally say out loud i miss being in the room like i miss being in the room and developing and creating with other people yes yes um, i felt exactly the same way when i worked in yeah. like film production yeah the exact same thing i love that i love hu- i love the humans like i keep saying i keep telling people i'm like i just miss people like the energy and the spirit of being around other people grumpy or not or like happy or sad don't give a damn i just love people um and that's why i do the art and why i pursue the things i do and so i know it has to come back in some capacity i don't really care how but uh mm. I will be there for when it does. And also if the move and when my brain finally switches on, cause I've been trying to write and commit to the things. I just get so nervous cause I'm unfamiliar with it. But as I dive into film and TV and commercial work, I'm like, okay, this is what it has to be. And we're going to thrive in it. And it's going to be scary. Cause you don't know it. Uh, like yeah. I've like been trying to get into it. And I think what's holding me back again is like, this isn't my realm. This is not my world. I don't operate in this freely. I'm like, oh, but fun because challenges are good. Yeah. And it's another place to draw that wisdom from. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm like, how do we, I'm also trying to figure out the ways in my social justice work too to blend the world and be like, okay, great. How could I maybe teach some theater to some mm-hmm. kids in my neighborhood? Or how could I somehow, you know, do some activism, maybe not in a theater 
theatrical way, but in almost like an Augusto Boal, like street theater, street performance type of way, um, which would be fun. But that's also what I mean by like- Shout uh, out to Augusto Boal for my my listeners who didn't go to theater school. (laughs) Oh, for your, yeah. uh, Tell tell them who Augusto Boal is. Yeah, Augusto Boal, Argentinian, brilliant man. wrote Theater of the Oppressed and believes that the spectator and the actor are always involved. So the audience and an actor is always involved in what is being performed. You as a spectator have a role in it. So it's your duty to be a part of because you are a part of the piece. Um, And so he wrote a book called Theater of the Oppressed or Pedagogy of the Oppressed which relates to uprising revolution in relation to theater and performance, baby. And that's what we need. (laughs) That's truly what we need right now. Um, So yeah, just. Which I I think may be great reading material, whether you're a theater artist or not, people who are listening to this. Oh, for sure, yeah. Take a read. I will read it with you. Let's do a reading challenge. Okay, I'm like, wow, you really want to commit to that? <laughs> um, no, I, w- I mean, DM me, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, do or do, I don't know, y'all. It's it's also my, this is a, a solid segue, but it's also my 26th birthday coming up, and I'm like trying hey. to understand what it even means to be an adult anymore and what we are trying to do on this earth. So if a reading challenge floats your boat, let me know and we can read it together. Um, but yeah. Just hanging out, trying to trying to love myself and do some theater, even if it's virtually, and talk to amazing people like yourself. Beautiful. Oh my God, you're the amazing. I'm just sitting here. I'm just listening. <laughs> I've done virtually nothing this entire. No, hour. no, no, no. That is so not true. That is so not true. Oh my God. Uh, we're we're like we're pretty much we're good on time. So, is there anything we haven't touched on that you that you want to get in here before we before we plug? <sighs> Anything I want to touch on? I don't know. Mm. Therapy I mean, is cool. Therapy, therapy is, cool. is great. I hard second. Everybody like seek. I, and yeah, I mean, like, if there's, thing. If many there's, people work on sliding scales. Ch- yeah, if there's out, one so. more thing for the for your choir for your choir needs, uh, choir. yeah, for the choir, it would be talk to people, talk to therapists, have a, do some fun nonsensical things that you would maybe never do in your life that are safe uh and productive because uh, that's the only way to feel good right now <laughs> mm-hmm. i think that's perfect advice i really couldn't have said it better myself yeah <laughs> that's the only way to like feel like there's movement happening in your life and and we deserve you deserve joy and love and everything's yes. great and, and black lives always matter that's <laughs> where i Agreed. will <laughs> bring that onto that <laughs> beautiful beautiful way to end it i say so yeah. how can how can uh how can people engage with your stuff or follow you uh and support whatever stuff you're working on sure sure cool 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 um i am on the socials <laughs> <laughs> i miss being a weird person in in real life this is I why know, i do this too, too. i just am like oh yeah whatever she's weird uh, and we love it okay and she is me okay so me you can follow raquel <laughs> on instagram at this raquel. is the smoothest that plugs yeah, have ever gotten mm, mm, yeah we love it it's go, going so well going so well um you can follow me at rockwell826, R-O-C-K-W-E-L-L-826. Uh, yeah, come shouts out to the voiceover work I've been trying to book. Um, mm. And then 
also for the social justice work, you can follow me at BIPOC Voices, V O O I C E S, <laughs> of Long Island. Stop it! <laughs> I'm trying to be professional. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> or you can follow, uh, you follow, follow me around the world. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's not, this is not helpful. There's just lots of laughing happening. It's, I'm sorry. It's, I'm it's sorry. It's a silly time. It's a silly time. Yes. Oh man. Silliness is needed, though, as we've established. Yes. Take it all in. Have a big bowl of silliness before you start your day. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for coming, Raquel. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. <laughs> oh my God. With some people cut fuses, but it's useless cause you know we shine on them. I was searching for a perfect place and time to get peace of mind. It wasn't hard to find. Raquel, Raquel, thank you so much to Raquel Palmas for coming in. And by coming in, I mean logging onto a Zoom call. Thank you to Zoom, I guess, even though I really hate Zoom. Uh, I'm really tired of Zoom. I'm tired of you, Zoom. Um, but thank you. Um, I should probably stop talking shit about Zoom. Uh, okay, I love Zoom now. Um, thank you to anybody who's listening to this. Thank you to Authentic uh, Literary Talent Management um, for helping hook me up uh, with the show. Um, thank you to you out there. I hope you like the show. And if you did, um, make sure to like it on Instagram and on Facebook and to uh, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you you listen to podcasts and write a review, share it with people, support the the mixed and first generation people in your life, uh, and um, put your energy, money, time, and resources into the, uh, the causes that really need it. And uh, I hope you have a good week, and I will see you next time. And by see you, I mean you'll hear another, you'll hear another episode next week. Oh God, the, the outros, you guys, the outros to these shows are always ridiculous, but I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time with more La Mescla. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. 
No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.